uh, several years ago, a brother, he asked me to give a lesson on this topic of free will and the free will that God has given us to make choices and make decisions and, and in choosing him or what we'll choose to serve. Um, and that's going to be kind of the theme for the next uh, two or three lessons that, that I'll be given is the, uh, the choice that you have to make. You know, in this country that we live in, we know all about free will. Free will is the power of acting without the constraint of necessity or faith, the ability to act at one's own discretion, freedom of choice, liberty, or independence. <clears throat> you know, in the last year, some of those things have changed. It's looked different, uh, but for the most part, the freedoms that we have and the freedoms we enjoy are still intact. You know, this last year, you know, they might have told you where you could work, how you could work. you got to be spaced this far apart. You can only be this many people in a certain place. But, you know, I can tell you in my life, nobody said that I couldn't do the things that I do for a living anymore. They said, you know, nobody gave me that kind of constraint. And so we enjoy this freedom. We understand the freedom that we have. America, we understand freedom. God desires, God's desire is to make mankind free. He wants you to have this freedom. And we ought not take this freedom for granted in this country or in, in the service of God in the kingdom that we have. We've been given this freedom as human beings, and God has given us this privilege to choose. You know, back in the garden, Adam and Eve, they weren't controlled by God's hand, right? God didn't take uh, Adam and Eve and put his hand on them and said, all right, now you're going to do this, and now you're going to do this. And he didn't move them like puppets to do exactly what he wanted them to do. He gave them this special privilege and this power to choose. When they made a mistake, when they sinned in the garden, it wasn't because God forced their hand to sin in the garden. It was because they made a choice to do those things. When they did good in the sight of God, when they worked and they pleased God, it was a choice that God had given them to make. He gave them free will, the power to choose. You know, this relationship that God had with his creation with Adam and Eve you know, you can imagine it much like the creation uh, of a mother and a father and a, and a child. You know, is it really love if I look at my kids and say, you're going to love me, you're going to love me, and I beat them down and, and I make them do this and I, I, I've got my thumb on them all the time, is that really love? If they did what I told them to because I was going to be the bully, is that really love? Or my wife, the same way. Is it really love if I say, Amy, you're going to love me. That's what you're going to do. And you better not not do that because there'll be consequences. Is that really love if she, if she does those things because I have that attitude? And you know, God has given us this choice. He's not made you a puppet, but he made mankind and true love is, is letting mankind choose to love their father and their creator. And that's what he's done. He looks at you and he says, you know what, Sean, you've got a choice to make to love me or not. And I can't make you do it. I'm not going to make you do it. I'm going to tell you tonight, God's done everything imaginable for you and I that we would choose to love him. And we have this free will to do so. We get to pick who we serve. There's two choices, and there always have been, and there's only one acceptable choice tonight, is to choose to serve the Lord, to choose to love the Lord tonight. The Bible says in, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? 
I'm going to tell you one of the things that, that helps us to have this free will is that we have an unchangeable God. That we have this God that he doesn't move, he doesn't change. We talked about this the other night. I know exactly where God stands. He's been like that from the beginning. He's like that today, and he will be like that forevermore. Exodus uh, 15, Moses is talking about the miracle that God did when he poured out and, and he, he let the, his, the Israelites cross the Red Sea. Who is like unto thee, God? What other God would I choose to serve? What other God can do the great miracles that you've done for us, Father? Who else am I going to serve? Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 6, For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. There's no other name like his. There's no other name like Jehovah. There's no other provider like Jehovah. There's no other Savior like Jehovah. There's no one else to call to in times of trouble or times of need. He's the only one. And he never changes. And he's always there. And he's always going to be there. Every time I want to take a moment to pray to him, to talk to the Father, the creator of this world, he's always there. He's unchangeable. That helps me make a choice that my God is unchangeable. Deuteronomy 32 and 4, he is the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are judgment of God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. You know, I'm going to fail my children. I, I have failed my children from time to time and I have not been the perfect father. You know, we enjoy this relationship and everybody has a high when it comes to a meeting and, and most of the time they like the teacher, but I'm going to tell you something about this teacher. You give me enough time, I'll let you down. We, if I, we choose to move out here, if Brandon will loan us some money, we can get out here and, and get us a section out here. You know, I tell you what, we know each other long enough, you're going to be disappointed in me. But I'm going to tell you what, that's not the father that we serve. His way is, his way is truth. His way is perfection. His way never changes. Just and right is he. First Chronicles 29, 11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. You look around all this earth, every corner of it from Wheeler, Texas to McMinnville, Tennessee, it all belongs to him. If you could look and search through heavens, I'm going to tell you everything you'd see belongs to him. He is the head of all. He is exalted above all. His is the kingdom. It's the only kingdom. It's the only kingdom because it's the only everlasting kingdom because my God is unchangeable and his kingdom is unchangeable and is unbreakable. But I'm going to tell you what, brethren, this unchangeable God, there's no room for you and I to try to negotiate with an unchangeable God. You've seen this? Maybe you're honest enough to say that you've done it yourself. Well, God, if you'll just do this, I'll never do this again. You're going to negotiate with the Lord of hosts. God, now let me make you a deal. If you'll do this... I'll never do this again. Well, tell you what, that's not the God. That's not the way God plays. That's not the way God operates. That's not the way God works. It's not up to you to change God's mind, but it's up to you to conform 
and you have the choice to conform to his will. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, he is the faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I'm going to tell you tonight, brethren, he is the, he is the, the, the faithful God. He is the only God. He is the faithful God. And he keeps these commandments to those that serve and love and obey him. And he does these things forever and ever to a thousand generations. This is the God that we serve. I'm going to tell you tonight, Mark 7, 7, 9, How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men for laying aside the commandment of God. Ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. He's talking about people in the New Testament, uh, in New Testament days, New Testament times here. They had their own traditions. They had their own ideas. They thought, you know what? We're going to take what God has told us to do and we're going to twist it and we're going to do what we want to do. And we're going to choose to do what we want to do. And I'll tell you what, that's not acceptable to God then. It's not acceptable to God today. God don't need you changing his plan. His plan is good. His plan is perfect. It doesn't need any additions or subtractions from us. You think you're smarter than he is? You think you've got something new, something fresh that you can put a new spin on the kingdom? There's no change in my God. I'm going to tell you tonight, friend, not only is he an, he's an unchangeable God, but that you were created to glorify him. If your purpose tonight isn't in the glorification of the Father, you've missed your purpose. Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, that he formed thee. O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, we talked about that last night, fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Let me tell you what, the Father, he wants to take you in and he wants to protect you, this great God. If if, if you weren't created for God's glory, then would he look after you in that kind of way? i tell you what, y'all are a lot of farmers in here. We've got a few critters. You know what? Those are my animals, and, and they give me glory. And I do everything I can to protect those silly things. And y'all are cattle people. We've got more goats than we have cattle, which means we probably have more patience than you do. 
And I want to take these things, and man, when I see something's wrong, I see a goat limping out there, I want to go and take it. I want to look at its foot and take care of it. And when, it, when it's not eating right, I want to take and look at it. And I got to look at you know, its eyelid and see what color its eyelid is. And I want to give it all the things that it needs to be successful because those are mine. And I want to take care of those things. God, he looks at you and he says, you know what? You're for my glory. You belong to me. I made you. And he's willing to do whatever it takes, whatever needs you have. He sees the need. He knows the need. He created you. You were made in his image, his image and he wants to take care of you. You were made for him. You belong to him. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 let us hear the whole, the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil we talked about fear last night this is not the type of fear that he's talking about here that we talked about last night this is the honorable fear your job, your mission, your whole purpose in life is to fear God to love him, to honor him to give glory to him and to keep his commandments you give him glory by your obedience by doing the things he has for you to do not by trying to change the will of God to whatever you want it to be not trying to negotiate to a, uh, to a holy God to what you think you ought to do what's good for you but to honor him to fear him to give him reverence as he's been so, so blessedly deserved of you're made for his glory, brethren. If you're not living tonight for his glory, you're living for the wrong glory. If you're living for your own glory, your glory shall be short-lived and you'll be cut off. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. Oftentimes we look at those Israelites and, and, the, and the complaining that they did after they got out of Egypt. And we think, you silly people. You silly people. You, you, were, you, you felt dry ground under your feet as you walked over the, the Red Sea. You saw the manna come out of heaven. And yet you complain. And yet you want to turn back to slavery. Brethren, that's not so far-fetched. Because oftentimes in my life, I can see myself doing the same things. I forget how great things he's done. I forget the miracles that he's poured out in my life. I forget the times that I prayed and he heard my prayer and he was swift to answer my prayer. I think about things that I beckoned God for and I, I prostrated myself to him and, and lo and behold, my God heard me and he answered. Don't forget the great things he's done for you. He deserves the glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Whether they therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever menial thing that you think you're doing in your life, do it for the glory of God. You know, we don't need to just attribute the big things, the big shiny things, important moments that we, that we have and, and say, well, that's what, get, you know, I'm going to give God the glory in that. Give him glory in all things. I appreciated Monty's prayer tonight. We got here safe tonight. Give glory to God for that. You know, sometimes we have really good weeks and sometimes we have okay weeks. Whatever type of week it is, give God glory for that. Give him all the glory. 
Don't hold back for yourself, but give him all the glory. Let me tell you something, brethren. You were made to glory him. You were made for it. And tonight, God's great love. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know the verse. It's the most common used verse. People that don't even believe in God probably have heard this verse, could recite parts of it. But I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of power in this verse tonight. I'm going to look first at what he said, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. I'm going to tell you what he did not say. He didn't say, for God so loved the church. I'm going to tell you what he didn't say tonight is he didn't say, for God so loved the good people. What that verse says tonight, for God so loved the world. And he, every creature, every human in it, he loved. Even the bad ones. Even the evil ones. Even the ones that didn't walk with him. God so loved the world. You know how much he loved it? He gave his only begotten son for it. Why did he give the only begotten son? That whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can we talk, can we talk tonight about the magnitude and the level of God's love? I don't know about y'all, but when I was a kid, we didn't have a lot of stuff, didn't have a lot of money. And when my mama would go to Walmart, and I'd have to go with her, <laughs> I didn't like shopping, so I would go to the book section, and I'd go pick up this book most of the time. And I'd sit there and, and flip through that book while mama was shopping. Now, I ne I've never bought one of these books. <laughs> I never had to. Mama did, did enough shopping, give me enough time, I learned to read fast. You know the book. You know, it's got all these great and amazing things that people have done. You know, the longest fingernails in the world. <laughs> Who makes that a record? I don't know. But all these crazy and un unbelievable things, you know, and, and there's somebody in this world that's done it above everybody else. And they're the very best at it, whatever it is. I'm going to tell you what, if we could take and put God in the Guinness Book of World Records tonight... You know, the record there would, you know, it has the record holder and it would say God. He holds the record. And what record did he hold? He, the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen. He's number one. And nobody's been able to top him. Well, where did this happen? Well, it happened at the cross. At the cross is where God recorded the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen or will ever see. I can remember being at the hospital with Ada Pearl. I had just become a father. And a brother came to the hospital to see us and Amy's talking to his wife, and he takes me over by the window, and he's holding Ada Pearl. 
And, you know, all the cliches, and I'm, I'm really talking to the parents because all the cliches about having children are true, right? All the corny things that people say. Well, you don't know what love is until you have a baby. Oh, you don't know what love is until you bring a child in this world. And the people here tonight that don't have children, they kind of hear that. Yeah, okay. Okay, I guess I'll have to wait and see. But I'm going to tell you what, as, as, as cliche as that may be, it's as true as anything else. You have no idea what love is until you have a child. Because he was holding Ada Pearl and he was looking at her and I was looking at her. And he, and he said, could you give her up for the sins of the world? No. No. I wouldn't give her up for anything. Not anything. That's my precious little girl, and I'll tell you what the truth tonight is, brethren. I'd let every one of you die and go to hell before I hurt that baby. And that's the truth. The greatest act of love that the world has ever seen. I want to try to make that real to you tonight. Sean, I don't like a liar, do you? You've got these three beautiful children. Would you give them up? Would you give up their life to save a liar? No. Jace, what about you? You take a thief. Would you give up the life of your children to save a thief? Britt, what about you? Would you give up your children to save the soul of an addict? You couldn't give them up. What about you, Brother Garland? You've got this beautiful family we ate with tonight. Would you give up your children, the life of your children, for the soul of a fornicator? No. What about you, Josh? Would you give up the lives of your children for the soul of an adulterer? No. Monty, what about you? Would you give up the life of the boys for a murderer? Ian, what about you? Would you give up the lives of your children for a pedophile? No. Brandon, what about you? Would you give up the lives of your children for a blasphemer? No. No, 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 no. The answer is resounding. No. You wouldn't give up the life of your child, your beloved children, for the souls of any of these people let alone good people, you wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. God did. God gave up his child for the souls of people just like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to tell you something, brethren. I hope you've never had to experience this. When I was a younger man, I had a, my, my best friend was going to have a child and she was six months along and she had a miscarriage and they had a funeral for that child and I'm going to tell you tonight in Wheeler, Texas, his name was going to be Preston Dwayne Cannon, baby Preston and my best friend asked me to come to this funeral. 
And it was about as sad a thing as I've ever experienced in this life, going to the, the funeral of this baby. And I wasn't living right at the time. And I asked God, and I prayed to God. I said, God, why, why Preston? Why, pre why not me? Why not take my life? I'm the one living like garbage. I'm the one drinking. I'm the one running around here doing things I ought not to do. Why not me, God? Why not take me out? I'm the sinner. I deserve it. Don't, don't take baby Preston. Don't take him. And as sad as that was, this innocent child who never got to breathe the breath of life outside the womb I'm going to tell you what, as sad as that is, and as much as infant funerals break our hearts, this is a picture of the cross. God took pure innocence. God took his innocent child, his sinless child, and he hung him on the cross. If you could imagine, especially you parents in here, taking your infant child, your innocent child who didn't deserve it, who had committed no sin, did nothing wrong, had not defrauded, and hanged that child on the cross. That's exactly what God did. He put pure innocence on a cross. It's the greatest act of love that man has ever seen. Nobody's going to top it. Why do you choose God? He's given you a free will. He's given you the choice to choose. Why do you choose him? Because he loves you like this. And there ain't nobody that loves you like God loves you. If you're a Christian tonight, if you're not a Christian tonight, I'm going to tell you there's nobody that loves you like God loves you. And he's given you all these things. He's given you the power to choose tonight. He's unchanging. You were made for his glory and he can't do anything else to prove how much he loves you than what he's already done. So choose him. It's the only choice you have. You're not going to find anything any greater. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God's not asking you to hang on a cross so that your sins will be paid for. God's not get, asking you to give up your child like he's given up his so that your sins could be paid for. God's asking you some very simple things to do. That you would choose him. That you would take the free will that he's given you and that you would choose him to serve him and obey him. This deal is, is like no other. If you could quantify, and listen, you can't. You can't quantify the value and the worth of a heavenly home. But just to make the numbers work tonight, let's put $1 billion on the value of heaven and your salvation. That's pretty, now there may be some millionaires in the, in the audience tonight, but I don't think there's any billionaires. So none of us would be able to get there by our own funds but God makes you a deal and he says listen I'm not going to be irreasonable I know you can't I know you can't pay this but let's be reasonable how about you give me a dollar a day and every day you give me a dollar 
and Monday you give me a dollar, and Tuesday you give me a dollar, and Wednesday you give me a dollar, and so on and so forth. Every day you give me one dollar. Now I think that would be reasonable. Brandon's shaking his head over here like, "Mm mm-mm, that's not how banking works. Because Brandon knows that starting, if you started from birth, the day that you were born to the day that you were 100 years old, that would be $36,500. You'd be short, wouldn't you, Brandon? By a long shot. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to pay a dollar every day to God. Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say is God's given you some reasonable guidelines, reasonable commandments for you to obey that you may put down what you can. And in the end, you get this great big reward. But you know what it takes? It takes every day paying your dollar. Every day I've got to pay in to God. I can't be late on a payment, Brandon. I can't miss a month of payments. God's not wanting me to miss a month of payments. Every day he's wanting me to do. He's wanting me to choose him, choose him, choose him, choose him. Why am I choosing him? Because he gives me free will to choose him. He's given you free will to choose him. And it's a great deal. Donald Trump wrote the art of the deal. Maybe. Somebody else may have wrote it. Trump don't know how to deal like this. My God has given you the greatest deal that the world has ever seen. That for this short amount of time, we know how short life is. It appears like a vapor for a moment and then vanishes away. And if you'll be faithful to me in this short amount of time, I'm going to give you eternity in glory. That's a good deal. But to hold up my end of the bargain, I have to choose him. And I have to continue to choose him, continue to choose him. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, the Bible says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that are on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will choose to serve the Lord. So what's your choice? What's your decision? Are you going to find some other God to follow? Some fake God? Are you going to miss the opportunity, the, the, the reason of your existence to give God glory? Are you going to ignore the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen? Are you going to look at this great deal that God's given you and say, no deal, and push it off the table? John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken to myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said to me, so I speak. My Savior came as a light in the world so that you would see him and that you would choose him. You know, it wasn't always easy. 
John 6 and 66, for that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They said, no deal. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to who shall we go? To whom shall we go? Where else are we going to go, Lord? Where else are we going to go and get a deal like this? Where else are we going to go for salvation, eternal life? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I ask you a question tonight. Do you believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do you believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever shall believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life? Do you believe that tonight? Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you choose to call on him tonight? Do you choose to be saved? What does that mean? We see a little clearer picture of that in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And he says, And now why tarest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord? Paul, do you want, you want your sins washed away? You choose to serve God? Paul, are you going to go back to that life that you were living, persecuting Christians? You've seen the light on the road. You've been blinded. You've been taken to this place. You've been cared for. Now, Paul, you're going to have to make a choice. What are you waiting for, Paul? Arise. Be baptized. Wash away thy sins and call on the name of the Lord. Choose him, Paul. Acts chapter 37, uh, chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the men, uh, uh, rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, this was uh, Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost. This is the first gospel sermon that was ever preached after Jesus Christ had ascended. And they heard this message. And Peter got up and preached, and, and, and it was miraculous that day for so many reasons. But they heard this, this message, and they asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? I ask you tonight, were they saved? Were these men saved right here? You know, when the Bible uses language that they were pricked in their heart, that doesn't mean, well, they thought that was a good idea. The prick, the prick is not just a prick. It's not like a thorn. It's not like a, a little stick. You know, that means that you know, they were impaled. They were like somebody took a sword and shoved it in one side and out the other. They were pricked in their heart. They were grieved because they realized they had crucified the Son of God. A lot of people say that you just need to believe. I'm going to tell you what these men believed. And Peter didn't say, well, hey, as long as you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you're good. Because they did. And he didn't stop there. He didn't stop them there. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, Now that you believe, now it's time to obey. Now it's time to take your faith and add to your faith some works. You need to repent, you need to confess, you need to be baptized. And he didn't, he didn't make them. 
Peter and the apostles didn't spend the rest of the day grabbing these people by the neck and taking them over to the river and dunking them in, did he? He gave them a choice. The people that heard the sermon, they had free will. They could take it and obey it, or they could take it and turn away. The Bible tells us that for the promises unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and with many other words that he testified and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day that were added to them about 3,000 souls. They gladly received the instruction. They gladly received the word. Because they were forced to? No. Because God had given them free will to choose. And they chose. The free will that, that, was on the, that was present on the day of Pentecost is the same free will that you and I enjoy today. It's the same free will that Adam and Eve had in the garden. You've been given the liberty to choose. These chose. And that day 3,000 souls were saved. 3,000 souls were added to the church because they had a free will. They had an unchangeable God because they realized they were made for God's glory. It was time to quit living for myself and start living for him. And that they recognized the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen. And I ask you tonight, do you recognize the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen? Because there's nothing else there's no more sacrifice to be given than what God has already given. If you're waiting tonight on salvation for God to pour out and do something greater than he already has, you'll be waiting for eternity. He's already done it. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.